0: Well, good morning. Um, before I start on the Bible lesson for this morning, I have an official responsibility that I need to carry out. Um, you're probably aware that this week is uh, February 2nd, which is Groundhog Day, and um, and you probably are aware as well that there's a town in Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney, um, where the groundhog, official groundhog, there are other others, but the official groundhog comes out at Punxsutawney, and uh, if he sees his shadow, that means that there's um, that there's six more weeks of winter. And if he doesn't see his shadow that means that winter is over. And he's never been wrong. He's never been wrong. There have been times when he has seen his shadow and the, and, the, and the winter has been, the remaining winter has been particularly balmy and warm. But, you know, he's never wrong. Um, so that's Punxsutawney Phil. Um, you may not know that I am actually born and raised in Punxsutawney. Um, <laughs> One of my brothers and extended family members still live there. Um, And some years ago, the Chamber of Commerce and the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club, the guys in the top hats and so on, officially named me a Groundhog Ambassador. So I have an official plaque and a title, and I have a responsibility as a Groundhog Ambassador to tell you about Punxsutawney Phil. So, there you are. I have discharged my responsibility just one more comment. Um, when I was, to pay honor to my parents a little bit, um, when I was born, the groundhog was called Pete. So, it was, so they did not name me after the groundhog. The groundhog was renamed when I was about 14 years old. So, so that's, so that's punksatani Phil. Okay, I have discharged my responsibility as a groundhog ambassador, um, let me pray. Lord, it is good we have these things. And it just reminds me that we start out in many, many, many different places. Many different places. I can look at the people I know here and think of where they began. And, and, but we end up here before you. United in you, brought together by your love, by your power, by your grace. And we just thank you for that. Be with me as I speak this morning. I pray that the words are your, really your words. They are your words. And I pray that they will be communicated effectively and that they will be applied to our hearts. In the name of Christ, amen. So this is um, the end of January and we've been doing a series on making faith real. This, um, And it's been a good series. It's something appropriate to do in January where you're looking back at the year gone by, you're looking forward and saying, what do I expect for the year ahead? And, and for us as followers of Christ, what we should be asking ourselves is, how am I going to grow in my relationship to Christ? How am I going to get closer to Christ, grow closer to Christ, so that during this year I will, I'll know him better, love him more? Um, our lesson today is from, taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, um, and there are verses that address this specific point. How do we make faith real? We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't even really know who the audience was. But from these verses, we learn a little bit about the audience, about who he was writing to. And we learn about the the author's frustration with them. So the verses are a little bit about his frustration with where they are spiritually. They're not new believers. They've, They've been in the faith for a while. They've been followers of Christ for a while. Um, but they're not maturing the way they ought to be. Now, I think all of us would say, well, that could be me. I'm certainly not, certainly says me. I'm not maturing in Christ the way I'd like to be. There's a whole lot more that I should be doing or I could be doing or I could be growing. So we would never say that we're fully mature in Christ. Even Paul didn't say that. We full, but we would say we're on the process so we're, so all of these verses, these few verses we're going to look at, they address really an ongoing issue for all of us. How do we mature in Christ? How do we make our faith real? And it falls into three parts. So we're going to look at it in, in those three parts. In verse chapter five, verse 11, they had stopped listening to him. To, they had stopped listening to God. So as a result of not listening, they were not maturing, so they still wanted milk and not solid food. That's the core part of the, ma- of the passage. And finally, they should have been in a position where they're instructing and teaching and helping others, but they're not doing it because they haven't matured. They haven't learned the solid food. Okay, so let us see. The, let me read the verses. This is chapter, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. You no longer try to understand... In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Okay, so let's start off. First passage, you no longer try to understand or you've developed a bad habit of not listening is the way the message puts it. They've gotten spiritually lazy. I can imagine, I don't know, we don't know who the audience was, but I can imagine that they got together, they sang the hymns, they behaved appropriately, They greeted one another appropriately, they looked perfectly respectable, they did all the things right, and they just had gotten lazy. They had just stopped listening to God. And they'd stopped trying to understand. And I think this, at some point, describes me and maybe all of us. There are seasons where I just get lazy. I get spiritually lazy. I've stopped trying to grow and understand. Um, so how do we listen to God? How do we try to understand? A few weeks ago, well, January 9th, I can tell you the date, because Dan gave a lesson on, about listening to God, about hearing God. And he gave some very practical instructions on this, reading God's Word and listening to the Holy Spirit. If you have, you want you want to not go back and listen to that message again, that lesson again, because it was really very practical about how to do it. He got out a white he got out a, uh, a white board and started outlining things. I never saw Dan do any of that either before. It was it was actually really good. not that Dan does things are like really good all the whole time, but it was it was quite good on how to listen to God, reading God's word, listening to God's spirit. I'm not really gonna talk about how to read God's word. Um for many, many centuries, most followers of Christ did not have access to the scriptures in a language that they understood, in a form they could read. Either they couldn't read, they didn't have the access to the scriptures. Um, so in many parts of the world, that's still true. Wycliffe Bible Translators still has a very active ministry um, because, for this reason. But now, I mean, I carry, what, a hundred and some translations in my pocket all the time, you know. Um, And if I don't want to read it, I can, uh, how many audio versions do I have in my pocket all the time? It's got reading plans. It's got all these different tools that for us to read and listen and hear God's word, where it's a tremendous blessing that we have these things, that we have this opportunity to read and hear God's word. Um, Do I use them? or have I developed a bad habit of not listening like the Hebrews did. So I would be my question for us. Do you have a plan for this year for hearing and listening to God's word? All right. Second topic. What about the holy or second part of this? But it's not just hearing and listening to God's word. It's actually listening to the Holy Spirit, who takes the word and applies it to our heart. That's what it means to try to understand. So how do we listen to the Holy Spirit? So am I growing, because I'm reading and listening to God's word, am I growing in my relationship to Jesus? The Holy Spirit, as Dan said, he speaks to all of us all the time in all kinds of ways. We have to learn to listen and discern his voice. And I'm going to recommend a book, um, or suggest a book. Um, Gary Thomas uh, wrote a book called Sacred Pathways. If you say, "Well, how do I listen to the Holy Spirit?" and this is a new concept to you, and you don't really, you're not really sure what this is talking about, um, Gary Pat Thomas, in this book, identified nine different pathways, um, or ways that God routinely speaks to us. Now. God routinely speaks to us in many many ways these are probably nine ways that we actually different different people pay attention um, for example for many people um, we respond and many of you probably um, we respond when we 're in nature being in nature helps us hear God helps us listen to the Holy Spirit um, for others it's in the traditions the traditional hymns the litanies the um, the the readings from, from the Book of Common Prayer that Dale gave us over Christmas, you know, the various things of that sort, right? We listen in the traditions. For others, it's in working for a cause, for rest stop. We hear God when we're working for a cause. Or if we we hear God when we're, you know, walking for water in the Congo. Or for some other things. These are all ways that... God is speaking in all of these ways. It's a question of which is the way that we are best... Where well, we listen routinely, um, for others it's in celebration, celebrating hymns, celebratory hymns, celebrating actions. For for me and for the church that I was in in the twenty, uh, we were in, in the 20, when I was in my twenties and thirties, they really emphasized study and thinking and reading and so on. Which of course that was great. That fit me perfectly. That's exact. So studying and reading and thinking. You know, look, I'm giving you I'm giving you suggested readings, right? And so you know that's how I that's how I hear God most regularly. So so and what will happen is that different churches and different traditions will tend to emphasize one of these, what Thomas, what Gary Thomas calls sacred pathways, and not the others. So that and, but we, all of them are God speaking. And in this book, if you're not, so if you're not familiar with this concept, this is a pretty good book because he goes through and he says from the scriptures, look, look at all the different ways God has spoken to his people. If you are a celebratory person, look at this passage. And if you look at this, and so on. And these are ways that God has spoken in the past. He is speaking now through all of them. And while we should always try to listen to God in as many of these ways as possible... Different ones become our go-to method. They become the way that when we're uncertain or we're unclear or we're feeling a little lazy um, spiritually, this is the method we go back to. And so it's helpful to identify that. If you, if you may know what yours is. You may know which ones you use, which ones work well for you. Um, are you trying something new? I've been trying some new ones the last couple of years. Um, uh, just for some to try to listen a more, uh, try to listen better. But have we, like the Hebrews, developed a habit of not listening, or of not trying to understand? If that's where you're finding yourself, and of course that's where we all find ourselves at times, then I would suggest think about the ways that God speaks to you re- regularly, and maybe go back to some of those. And if you're not so familiar with that. Well, maybe sacred pathways can help you. Okay. So, you've stopped trying to listen. Second point. The second point in the core of the passage is about this milk and solid food. And at some point, they were still immature. This desire, so for us, this desire to listen and understand should make us more mature. And the difference here between milk and solid food is in how we receive it. Milk comes from the mother as infants. We have, it's given to us. Um, That was great for a time, but only for a time. We cannot always be expecting other people to feed us spiritually. We can't be relying on the pastors, the worship leaders, and so on, to feed us all the time. That's the milk. That's milk, right? In my many years as a follower of Christ, I have heard many people that I care for and care about, and they'll say, you know, I'm just not being fed. And that's true. There are times when that happens when the church, for whatever reason, the church they're at doesn't feed them. And I want to say to them, and once in a while I've said it to them, so what are you doing to feed yourself? Because that's what it has to be. It's good we have pastors and worship leaders and people to feed us. That's a blessing to us. That is a huge blessing. But we can't expect to always rely on that. We need to develop the ability to feed ourselves, and the Hebrews were simply not doing enough to feed themselves. Okay, watch your feet, because I'm about ready to step on toes. <laughs> All right, so, so you know, anybody who looks at the events of the last two years is going to come away and saying, "Okay, boy, there are a lot of lessons here. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of things we learn from this," and, and I don't have any particular insight. I I really don't. I don't I don't have a word from the Lord for you. I don't have I, I just look at it and say, I don't know what's going on most of the time. And you can learn different lessons, but I think this is one lesson we can learn. That as American Christians, we have been so blessed, so blessed by the people who feed us the milk that we became immature. We stopped learning to feed ourselves. And as a result, if a baby doesn't get fed, what do they do? They squall. They don't go to the refrigerator and say, well, I think I'll take some, you know. They don't, they don't know how to feed themselves. What they know how to do is squall. And I feel like what we've seen a lot of is maybe we become too focused as a, an American Christian culture too focused on christian performances from the pulpit from the stage from other sources and not enough focused on feeding ourselves <laughs> 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 and so we need to learn to feed ourselves to move on to solid food now what does the author mean by milk and solid food well it's a little frightening at the at the and you know, when I looked at this, I thought, uh-oh. Because it's th- at the beginning of chapter 6, he actually talks about the milk and the solid, solid food. Um, in one version of it, these are sort of laid out like the ABCs. These are the ABCs. All right? So the ABCs, and he lists six things. He lists them in three pairs, All right? Here are the spiritual nutrients that come from milk. All right. Here they are in chapter six: repentance from dead works and faith in Christ. That's the first one. Um, and so it's what we've turned away from—salvation by our works alone—and what we've turned towards by God's grace. Salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, or as Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter two, by grace. You have been saved by faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. So that's the first pair of the milk, that salvation is by grace alone and we've been saved from dead works. Okay. Second is instructions about washing and the laying on of hands. I think about this one, and I think here's, here's how I think about this one. It's about holiness. It's about purification. The washing is, you know, like, wash your hands, right? I mean, we all learn to do, wash your hands and sing, row, row, row your boat as you're washing your hands and so on, right? So, wash washing your hands, purifying yourself, being holy. The laying on of hands is about the coming of the Holy Spirit on us who purifies us further. So I think this couple, this pair, talks about the purification that we do by our own actions and by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right, so this is this one's about holiness and about purification. And then the third one, remember this is milk, right? The third one is the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. That is talking about the end of all things that the dead in Christ will be will be made alive and reign with him, while those who are rejected will be subjected to eternal punishment. All right, now, so that's about the ultimate end of everything. Now, when when I read this and thought, really? These are the milk? Wait, so we don't agree on this. The milk is like you know, do we get raptured before the tribulation or after the tribulation? Or does the tribulation not happen at all? Or is there a millennium or not a millennium? And, you know, well, that's milk. It may be skim milk versus 2% milk versus whole milk. It may be, it may be oat milk, soy milk, or, or whatever, milk substitutes. It's still milk. The ultimate end of all things is that we're, everything is accountable to God. Okay, so if you want to look at it this way, these three pairs refer to the past, how we were saved, how we are saved. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not by works. The present, we're purifying ourselves. We're washing ourselves. The Holy Spirit's dwelling on us to purify us. And the future, the ultimate end of all things. They may not seem like elementary, doctrines to you. When I looked at them, I thought, oh, I'm um, But at a core level, all followers of Christ agree on these. We hear Paul using the same language in 1 Corinthians 3 when he's talking about the church cannot get along with each other because they're, they, they're, they're still fighting over, these, over whether they want skim milk or 2% milk or whole milk. Um, that's not quite the way he says it, but that's pretty close. Um, and if you look at them, they actually are the things that go into the like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed and the ancient church fathers used these to build into the Creed and and so in fact they are the milk they are the things that we agree on as Christians okay what then is the solid food well let's think about it what would you say is the solid food of the Mature Christian life. I would have gotten it wrong. All right? I would not have come up with what the, the writer of the Hebrews says. He says, It's training about righteousness. It's being those who are mature by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, I might have said, well... it's, or we can go to the passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, where Paul says, it's not being, it's solid food, we're not being tossed by the waves of doctrine, we're not being tossed here and there, we have discernment, we're anchored, we know where we stand, we know where our foundation is, to go back to Angela's message from the beginning of the month, we know where our foundation is, we're not being tossed by all these other things. Now, and it's not about anything external or about performances, it's not about my doctrinal position on the millennium and the tribulations and the rapture, or about anything else. It's not about whether I can read the New Testament in Greek or not. It's not about the fact that um, John Lindbergh tells me that there is, in fact, a covenant, an evangelical covenant hymnal, and, and it's not about knowing all the songs in the evangelical hymnal. That's not solid food. It may be an outcome of solid food, but it's not not solid food itself. It's not about how much we give to the church. Or it's not about our ability, as Jesus says in Matthew 7, it's not even about things like performing miracles and casting out demons. These may be outcomes, but they're not themselves the solid food. This is a really common mistake. And it's really haunting us. It haunts us as Christians throughout our lives that we get confused about the milk and the solid food, possibly because we're still focusing on the milk. The solid food is having the discernment to, to know right from wrong. By constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil this isn't this is difficult. it is always difficult. It is always a matter of what, well what's the right thing what, what's the wrong it's but we have to train ourselves to discern good from evil as i was as I was working on this and Deb was talking about it and um, one thing about the Manili family, the extended Manili family is if you um, say i'm going to do such and such, you're going to get um, opinions, and occasionally well-informed opinions from a whole range of people about what's what threat. So this one comes from Deb, and it's very very good. So, all right, she reminded us that some years ago we, as part of, we were in a class, and we read a book by Francis Schaefer called The Mark of a Christian. Now, if you're not familiar with Francis Schaefer, um, he, was a great, he was a Christian theologian, writer, thinker, who died about 1980 or so, 1982 or so. Um, maybe, I don't know, that era. If you're familiar with Francis Schaeffer, you may be familiar with him because he was a leading figure in the pro-life movement, which was really the last part of his life. But before that, he had written and thought about Christianity and culture a lot, and he's a little bit controversial. But this book, Mark of a Christian, um, we read in a class. It's, one, it's a very short book, um, very easy to read. Well, not easy to read, but it's cheap. You can get it for a couple bucks on Kindle or on Amazon. If you've not read it and you are someone who hears God through study and reading, this is one you might want to read. Francis Schaeffer said, we need to practice God's holiness. This is maturity. We need to practice God's holiness we need to practice God's love. We need both. Practicing holiness, practicing love. We get lots and lots of examples of people who want to practice holiness without love. You had the Pharisees. You had the older brother in the parable of the two sons. You have lots and lots of people who are, who, who, who are followers of Christ who become judgmental, critical, harsh, self-righteous. It's a spiritual maturity based on what's going on outside. So we're very familiar with what practicing holiness without love looks like. We need them both. We need to practice God's holiness. We need to practice God's love. But we're also very familiar with what practicing love looks like without practicing holiness. Hey, anything goes. You, I mean, if you have a comment on something, well, that's not very loving, is it? If you don't have a, if you have a, a position... So, 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 but that doesn't work, because as we move closer to a holy God... We have to become holy ourselves. So here's, here's kind of the way I, I'm, I'm working on this this year. And I, all of these are things that are for me. You can check back on me later in the year and say, okay, how did that work? Or maybe even better, check back with my family and say, how does that work? How did, how did he do? Um, practicing God's holiness is about what I do. What I do in my life, it's not so much about what I can impose on other people. Practicing God's love is what I, do, I give to other people. And that's kind of the way I'm working on it, that I can't impose, I have a very limited authority to impose my standards of holiness on somebody else, but I really have to practice God's love towards somebody else. So, and as they see God's love expressed, we pray that they will respond and become holy themselves. So, we have to learn to feed ourselves. We've moved on to solid food. We've learned to discern good and evil. We've learned about practicing holiness and love. There's still one more point, and this may be the one that causes you to... to, um, say, uh, I'm not sure in this whole process. He says, in verse 12, by this time you ought to be teachers. We ought to be teachers. By this time, if you're not a new follower of Christ, if you're not a new, a, a, a new, a new Christian, by this time we all ought to be teachers. Um, that's a that's a little hard, but let me explain what he th- what I think he's saying. And again, I'll go to one of my. I'm telling you, I, you know, it's when when he talked about people who, when Gary Thomas talked about people who hear God's voice through reading and study and so on, I thought, oh man. He could have written this chapter about me. So this, cause, so I have books, books. I always have books. All right. Practice Resurrections, a book by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson was passed away a couple years ago, Um, and he said, "And look, I don't know Greek. I grew up in Punxsutawney for crying out loud. Um, uh, So I'm going to pronounce the Greek words, and you're going to laugh, and that's fine, um, because my ability to pronounce Greek was never, you know, was never important to me. All right, three kinds of teaching that go on in the church, three kinds of instruction." The first is what's called the charismatic or the proclamation teaching. It's the preaching, it's the, the worship songs, it's the public proclamation type teaching. And at Cascade Covenant, we do that. And the church in general is very good at that. We are very good at that. You could listen to sermons all day, every day, for, all, for 365 days of the year. because It's not a leap year, 365 days of the year. And you may not have to hear the same preacher twice because there are so many of them you can hear, right? Let's go, we have to do this one. And we do this one at Cascade Covenant, and we do it through Dan and Angela and others. Uh, Matt did a great job a couple weeks ago. We do this one. The second he uses is didactic, information teaching. This is the one that says, okay, which were the wicked kings, which were the good kings? Um, These are the Bible studies that we do. These are the, the classes that we do on... Handling your money appropriately, handling your raising your children, how to have a marriage that's that's more rewarding for for God. Um, This is the informational teaching type things, and again, we do this at Cascade Covenant, and the church as a whole does it really well. You could spend your whole life just just on going to classes, Christian classes, right? Um, Easily, we do it really really well. And there's room for us to improve on this, I think, at Cascade, and all of these things, but but we do it, and we do it well. And then there's the third one, which he calls the paraclectic. Um, And he refers to it as the discernment, which fits very well with the Hebrews passage. But as, as Peterson is describing it, I saw it in different language. I saw it as teaching that occurs from being alongside of somebody. It's coaching, it's mentoring, it's listening, it's hearing. It's what one of my good friends whose spiritual maturity I greatly admire and respect. And you all know her and you all have the same respect for her spiritual maturity because I've heard you say it. What she would say is, it's, we need to hear one another's stories. We need to share our stories. We need to share with one another what God is doing in our lives. We need to listen. What other. It's not just what has been done in the past, but what's going on now. It's this, it's this level of... And this is the type of teaching that I think all of us at this time should be doing. By this time, we ought to be teaching. We ought to be sharing our lives with one another. We ought to be sharing. We ought to be listening to one another talking to one another about what God is doing in our lives. Because as the church moves forward, as Dan said last week, it's going to look different. We've been pruned. Not just we, Cascade Covenant, but we, the American church. We've been pruned. How are we going to flower and be fruitful as a result of that pruning? Well, is it going to be by better preaching Maybe. Is it going to be by more classes? Maybe. But in the the accumulation of wisdom, there is no end, as the writer of Ecclesiastes said more or less. Um, Or is it going to be by this part, the paraclectic, our ability to listen to one another, to talk to one another, to share our stories with one another? This is who God is in my life. And so I would say to you, and as an encouragement, if you don't have people, maybe you're in a position in your life where you, you, you listen to God well. You've moved on to the solid food. You know how God speaks to you. And maybe you're in the spot of saying, you know, it's time to sh- I need to share my life with other people. I need to listen to them sharing their lives with me. Why don't we do it more? Well, primarily we don't do it more because it makes us vulnerable. If I'm standing up here instructing you, you don't actually know much about me. I can tell you stories and you don't unless you fact-check me and stuff. If I'm walking alongside of you, you know a lot more about me. You know that I fail at a lot of this. That a lot of this kind of teaching says, well, we learn from our mistakes. And but God was faithful to us. So we have to be vulnerable to do this. So, But I, you know, as someone who has had the genuine, genuine privilege of doing all three kinds of teaching with God's people, I can tell you this absolutely, sincerely. All three of these are wonderful. All three of these bring, bring joy and blessing to me. But this one, paraclectic, the walking alongside of somebody. That brings the greatest joy and the greatest blessing of all. And it's the one we all ought to be doing. We all ought to be teachers. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you that we have these words. I thank you that we have this encouragement. I thank you we have so many blessings. So many blessings that we can experience your word in so many different forms and so many different languages and so many different translations that we have so many options to read and understand and to listen to one another. And I pray that we will do it, that we will not grow tired, we will not develop a habit of not listening. That as we look ahead to 2022 and what the church is going to look like, we can have real faith and optimism because we've been pruned, but from the pruning comes the fruitfulness. I thank you, Lord, for these people. I thank you, not these people. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you that you have brought us together, and I just um, look forward to the year ahead with them. In the name of Christ, amen. And so, by this time, as we go, by this time, we all ought to be teachers. We all ought to be hearing and sharing and listening to one another's stories. So, Go share Christ with your friends. Amen. See you next week.